So fantastic. We've been uh, doing the series called The Ten. It's about the Ten Commandments, and we'll be doing a countdown from commandment number 10, and we'll be making a way, we're leading all the way to number one, right? And uh, I'm really excited because um, the, the, uh, the, the six that we've just done, it's all about our relationship and how we relate to one another. The, as we're heading to number one, it's all about our relationship with God. If you're raised in a Pacific Island family, uh, when it comes to Sunday, you're not allowed to do any outside work on a Sunday. You can't mow the lawns. Can't we... The, the garden or anything like that. You can't do any of that. All you can do is cook because you need the big meal after Sunday church, right? And that's all you can. You can't even go for a swim. Like I remember we're in the Cook Islands and um, it was Sunday and we weren't allowed to go for a swim. So I had to like walk as far away from my uncle's house to go for a swim. And I was in my 30s. Right, and so this is like, so this is what you got to do. If you're in the water and someone sees you in the water on the island, you just say, oh, seven day Adventist." Anyway, <laughs> here's our countdown. Number ten: Do not covet. Do not covet. Number nine: Do not testify falsely. Number eight: Do not steal. Number seven: Do not commit adultery. Number six: Do not murder. Number five: We did last week, which was honor your parents. And today, number four is remember. The Sabbath. And here we go. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who was within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. He rested on the last day of the week. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So when's the last day of the week? It's, it's Saturday. Sunday's the first day of the week. Saturday's the last day of the week. So according to Scripture, Sabbath is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's according to Scripture. That's the seventh day. Uh, in, in fact, the, the word Sabbath is the English is our English rendering of the Hebrew word Shabbat. So this word Shabbat. So this is in Hebrew. It's Shabbat, and we we would say we say Sabbath in in, in English. And this word Shabbat in in Hebrew literally means to stop or to cease from. That's what this word Shabbat means. So the word Sabbath means to stop, to cease from, to rest. And here's the thing, in our society, right, isn't it so true that there's this underlying expectation to go, 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 right? Rest is considered a luxury. And, and just to get a minute to ourselves, sometimes we think, can feel a little bit guilty, you know? So like, you know, you tell someone like, I'll be right there. And you just sit on the couch and just have a relax. And well, no, you then get back up like you're working. You just, just, it just seems like you, we feel guilty just by taking a little break. And the concept of slowing down can become foreign or even Hard for us to obtain or to obtain because we've got to keep on doing, especially with babies to feed. And if you're a parent, you have, you have even less rest, especially if you've had a newborn. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Newborns and less rest you have. And so I'm so glad that we've served our sentence and we've passed it on to our kids. And so, so we're baby to, to feed, um, bills to pay, and especially if you've got a new job, how we ex- how are we expected to rest? And yet God has called us to Shabbat. God has caused us to Sabbath to rest, to stop, and to cease from. So when we read Scripture, when we open up our Bibles, uh, when we read Genesis, God creates, and He creates in six days. 
each day that God creates, it, it ends with this phrase. It's marked with this phrase. There was evening and there was morning, day one. And then he creates day two, and then, and then it ends with that phrase, for the phrase, there was evening, then there was morning. Because it's really interesting, because according to Scripture, your day begins in the evening. Our day begins from rest. So God intended us to, to begin our day by resting before we get into work. And so it's really interesting. So here we go. But when it came to, to the seventh day, which is really interesting, that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, does not appear on the seventh day. And the reason it doesn't appear is because the seventh day rest, this ideal, was never meant to end. God intended for humanity to join him within his creation and begin to rule with him within his rest. And this is God's ideal. This is the ideal for us to, to enter in and to trust God. And God provides. Remember the Garden of Eden? Like, humanity didn't need to work. They were like, whatever you want. And enjoy. Enjoy all my creation. And God provided for humanity whatever we needed. And they began to rest. But humanity, they don't trust God. And they begin to rule on their own. And the thing that God had created, the seventh day rest, is lost. Isn't that so true of us? Like, God, you're telling me to do what? Well, you know what? I, my wisdom is better than yours. And I'm going to do, do things my own way. And, and humanity steps out of God's seventh day rest. And, and humanity may have lost their hope in God, but God has never lost his, his, his hope in you. And that's something that someone needs to know. Wherever you are in life, you may feel that you're so far away from God. God has not given up on you. And so what God does is he begins to set in motion that one day, Humanity will, will once again return to the seventh day rest. And so he, so he tells Israel to Sabbath, to Shabbat, to stop, to rest. This commandment, this fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath was a reminder that the seventh day rest, this Garden of Eden ideal, was coming again. For one, one day a week, I want you to stop. And I want, I want you to live as if you're in the rest now. Just to remind you, so one day a week, stop, don't work the garden, don't do anything, and just enjoy my provisions for one day a week. And so he sets that in motion to help humanity to remember God's seventh day rest that, that is coming and to anticipate it coming again. God told Israel to do a series of things around a theme of seven. When we look in Scripture, seven means completeness within the Bible. Seven means completeness. And the reason why seven means completeness because the Hebrew word for complete and the Hebrew word for seven is spelt exactly the same in Hebrew. When you looked at these words, they looked exactly the same. It's kind of like our English word tear. T-E-A-R. Tear. You can tear a piece of paper or you can shed a tear. Right? It's spelled exactly the same. But when we use it in a different context, it means something totally different. So the biblical authors, they were connecting these words theologically. So whenever you saw the word seven, you would think complete. God, God finished his work and he rested on the seventh day because it's complete. Which is why we've got seven kids. We've got the six kids. And I said to Porto, we're not quite complete. Let's have a seventh. Then after that, Porto said, we're resting. We're resting. <laughs> Shabbat. So you can, you can get Shabbat yourself out of here. Anyway. So, 
Let's, let's come back to scripture. So, as we, so the biblical authors were connecting these words theologically. So to, to Shabbat was a thing that you do on the seventh day. So the word Shabbat, Sabbath, number seven and complete, they're all wrapped together. Here are the themes of seven. So the, the first theme of seven is the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath day. One day a week, just you're going to live as if you're, the seventh day rest is here, right? Do, stop and, 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 and rest from work. And the second thing that God called Israel to do was the Sabbath year, to remember the Sabbath year. So, so every seventh year was when you rested the land. The, you rested the land for a whole year. So it's not just one day. It's doing the Sabbath day for a whole year. If you've got a field of corn, you don't weed it. You don't, you don't put any nutrients. You just leave it. And then you just go out there when, you, when you're starting to eat, grab some corn, and you, and you just eat from it. It's, it's this idea of living, that you're living in God's, you're trusting God, that he's going to provide for you. So you're not going to, you're going to rest the land for a whole year, and you're going to live off the land just like the Garden of Eden. And this was this idea of the Sabbath year, the seventh year. Not only that, your debts were canceled. If you had debt, if you're taken out alone, on the Sabbath year, it's canceled. So, you know, if you needed to get a loan a, a year before the Sabbath year, it was a good time to get a loan, right? It is canceled. <laughs> it is canceled. And if you were a slave, you're set free. Because back in biblical times, if you couldn't afford, if you found yourself in debt, you were often sold, you sold yourself as a slave to pay that debt. And, and most of, that, of the world were in a lot of debt. And so they sold themselves as slaves. And if you were a slave, guess what? The Sabbath year, you're set free. You're released. And then the third thing was the year of Jubilee. And I love the year of Jubilee because then every seven years times seven. So on the 49th year, on the 49th year was the year of Jubilee. In fact, the 49th year will come. And then on the seventh month of the 49th year, they will usher in the, the new year early. It will all begin on the seventh month. They are ushering the 50th year halfway through the year. It's the year of Jubilee. It was the super Sabbath. You know, if, if you lost your land, if you lost it because you couldn't afford it and, and your land was taken from you during the Jubilee, your land is restored. It comes back to you. If you, if you own debt, restored. If, you're, if, you're, if, you were, if you were held captive, you're set free. It's the year, it's Jubilee. It's super Sabbath. And so these, these themes of seven was to remind God's people that the seventh day rest was coming. In Isaiah 61, he will begin to describe that one day God's Messiah, God's, God's, God's anointed one will come. So the word anointed one, the word Christ or Messiah, it's actually a verb. It's the verb of actually anointing someone. When you're anointing someone, that's actually what Messiah means. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a doing word. That's what Messiah means. The, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, that God's anointed one, God's, uh, God's Messiah, his, it will come and he will usher in this ultimate jubilee and bring a light to the nations of the world and announce the, the, the year of the Lord's favor, the ultimate Sabbath rest is here. And so this is what Isaiah begins to prophesy. And we find this in Isaiah 61. So then 700 years later, after Isaiah prophesies this and begins to speak about this, the servant of the Lord that is coming, Jesus arrives on the scene. And when, when it came to Jesus announcing his ministry, announcing who he was, Jesus decides to announce to make his ministry public to everyone. He decides to do it by going to a synagogue on a Sabbath. So he enters a synagogue on a Sabbath and, and the Gospel of Luke 
picks up the story for us in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And it says this, When he came to Nazareth, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. And what's he going to read from? Right? Of all places, he's going to read from Isaiah 61. And he begins in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has anointed me. You've been waiting for your Messiah. Your Messiah is here. See, and, and when he's talking about good news to the poor, he's not just talking about those who are financially struggling, but he's talking about those who are at the bottom of society, those that society has forgotten about because they weren't good enough, they've done something and they've been considered outcasts, that, that the Messiah has come, those who are deemed unworthy. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt unworthy that God has come for those who have done so poorly that they needed a gift, a gift of righteousness? A gift of grace. And he continues on reading. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free. This, this is the year of Jubilee. This is what he's saying. This is the ultimate Sabbath. I am here to restore everything that you have lost. Whatever you have lost, You've lost your dignity, I'm bringing that back. You, you've, you've, you've lost who you are, your identity, I'm bringing that back. I'm here to restore everything you have lost in verse 19 to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Your past does not define you. Whatever has held you captive, it's time to be free. It's time to be free. In verse 20, I love this, and he rolls, he just drops some bombs right here in the synagogue, and he's rolling up the scroll. He gives it back to the tenant and he sits down. And this is what it says. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. They're just fixed on him. Oh my gosh. You hear what this guy just said? And, and then he's not finished dropping bombs. Then he says this. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If there was an ancient microphone, this is the moment where he drops the microphone in the synagogue and he walks off. This is a mic drop moment you know because what's jesus what, what's jesus claiming right here jesus is claiming that the seventh day rest this ideal the one that everyone has been anticipating it is here through me it is here through me i mean that's what jesus says the scripture is fulfilled here right now because he says i am the jubilee i am the sabbath of sabbath because because i am here so it is here right now the sabbath was a constant reminder of the age to come and jesus says it's here. What you've been waiting for, it is here. And in Matthew 12, we find Jesus having this discussion with the Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees, they're pretty upset. And they're upset at Jesus' disciples. They kind of claim, they're claiming that Jesus' disciples have violated the Torah, have violated the law. And the reason why is because, because the, the disciples were plucking the heads of grain and they were eating it. And it was, the problem was, it was a Sabbath. And you're not meant to do work on a Sabbath, Right? And so, and so let's pick up the story, Matthew 12, verse 3. And he said to them, this is Jesus, he says to them, Have you not read what David did when he, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or his companions to eat, 
but only for the priests. I love what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is putting himself in the place of a king, but one that is greater than David. This is what he's doing here, right? And he's not finished there. Then he says this, Or have you not, have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He drops another bomb because what's the, the temple was a picture of, was a mini version of the Garden of Eden. This is what the temple was. The Garden of Eden was where heaven and earth overlapped. And the, the temple was where heaven and earth overlapped and God's presence was. And Jesus just dropped the bomb here. He says, you know what? I am the temple. I, I am the true temple where heaven and earth overlaps. I am the presence of God. But he's not finished. He's not finished shocking them right now. He's just warming up. Verse 7, but if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. And then he shocks them. He says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is like a nuclear explosion that's going off right now. Okay, because these guys, these guys, they know their scripture inside out. And Jesus is claiming to be the Son of Man from Daniel, Daniel 7. He's claiming to be this Yahweh figure from Daniel 7. More than that, he's saying, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, I am the Sabbath. I am what you have been waiting for, what you've been waiting for in anticipation. The seventh day rest has come through me. This is what Jesus is claiming. And Jesus begins to prove it by confronting evil. And he does this by liberating people from sickness, from sin, and even death itself. And when we think of Jesus, Jesus timed he timed his death to take place at the end of the week. And when Jesus is crucified on the Friday, his body is taken down before evening comes. They're taken down, and then his body is rested on the Sabbath in a tomb, placed in the tomb. He's rested in his body, Shabbats, within the tomb. And then on the eighth day, he rose again. The eighth day, which is the first day of the week, in case you're wondering, is it eight days in the week? On the eighth day, he rose from the dead, which is the first day of the week, and, and it's a, which is a Sunday. He, he comes, comes back to life on a Sunday. Jesus' resurrection is the, first, is, the, is the first day of a new creation where God's light and life breaks into the darkness. And this is where we, where we get this, this tradition of Christians gathering on a Sunday. It all starts here from Jesus ushering in the Sabbath day rest on the eighth day, on the seventh day, the first day of the week. It comes from here. The first followers of Jesus were, were Jewish. They were Jews. So what they would do, they will observe the Sabbath, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. They'll go to the, to the synagogue is what they do. As, as, and then the next day on the Sunday, they would all gather together on a Sunday around a meal where they will have communion. Like Jesus, whenever you gather Break the bread. This is my body. Take the cup. Represents my blood. They'll come and, and then not only that, they'll begin to share about the love of Jesus in their life. And this was known as a love feast. So every Sunday's followers of Jesus were gathering to celebrate Jesus. They've been doing this since day one. It was known as the Lord's Day. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday church is not a replacement for Sabbath. It never was. That's not what Sabbath means. Sunday was a day that, that believers gathered, gathered to celebrate Jesus. It was the Lord's day. It was the day that he rose again. It was the day that he ascended in heaven. It was also the day in Acts chapter 2 when, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church was on a Sunday because they were gathering 
on a Sunday. And it's, and it's a beautiful picture. And so believers have been, have been coming together on a Sunday since day dot of Jesus' resurrection. Sunday is not, it's not a Western concept. Gathering on a Sunday for church is what believers have been doing, gathering and celebrating the name of Jesus, coming around the cup, coming around the bread, and sharing about his love. It's not a replacement for Sabbath. So you may be wondering, I don't know, you may be, maybe not. Maybe you're wondering, so why don't Christians observe the Sabbath? Or should I say, why don't most Christians observe the Sabbath? Because, you know, we do have our brothers and sisters of the Seventh-day Adventists. And so, so again, they meet on a Saturday, which is okay, right? So why don't most Christians observe the Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday? Remember what the Sabbath was. What was the purpose of the Sabbath? It was a signpost. The signpost was pointing to what? To one day that God's seventh day rest was coming again. So the seventh day rest was a signpost pointing to who? Pointing to Jesus. Pointing that Jesus is coming. Right? And so here's the thing. If you're on your way to Hamilton, and you don't have GPS, you don't have anything, or you know, this road gets me there, how do I make sure that I don't take a wrong turn if you're heading to Hamilton? Right? What do you follow? You look for the signpost. Signs pointing to Hamilton. You keep going. You're following the signs. And nearly there. It goes, oh, here we go. There's some bypasses there. Which one do I take? And this is where it gets confusing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> take the city. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, once you're in Hamilton, are there any more signposts pointing to Hamilton? There's no signpost. Why? Because you're already here. Right? So, so why don't we observe the Sabbath? Because it's already here. We're already here. We're already, we're already here remembering what Jesus has done for us. He has already ushered in. He's already ushered in this Sabbath day rest, which is why when we read Acts chapter 15, I encourage you to read Acts chapter 15. Because the, the apostles, they gather in Jerusalem. And it's what's called one of the first councils of the Christian council. They, they, they gather together because all these Gentiles were becoming Christians, these non-Jews. And they're like, what do we do? Do we, do we circumcise them? Do they have to obey kosher food? I mean, they're not even turning up. They're not, they're not observing the Sabbath. What do we do? And, and they come to the conclusion as actually, no, these Gentiles don't need to follow our practices. Why? Why do they come to the conclusion? Because Jesus has already fulfilled the law. Aren't you glad that Jesus fulfilled the law? Because can you imagine if you gave your heart to Jesus? Praise God. Of those who just gave their heart to Jesus, all the men, could you make your way to the back? We've got some scissors there. Just a little surgical thing. It's all good. We just want to make sure you're saved. Yeah, just want to make sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, praise God that Jesus fulfilled. Who, who enjoys bacon? <laughs> praise God. Anyway, let's keep rolling. rolling. So, so what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? It means we remember the Sabbath by remembering Jesus. Because the Sabbath is here. The fourth command to remember the Sabbath, Sabbath was an anticipation of the coming of Jesus. We don't worship the sign. We worship who it's pointing to. And you know what it also means? It means that you can step into the seventh day rest now. You can step into it now. Because what you hope for shapes what you live for. What, what are you hoping for right now? What are you hoping for? Because whatever you hope for will shape what you live for. If you hope for Jesus, you live for Jesus. Here's the thing. If Jesus has ushered in the ultimate rest, why do we still experience pain? Why do we still experience suffering? Why is it when we turn on the news, we see these stories of some guy in France stabbing children? If the seventh day rest is here now, what does this mean? 
It means that the world is still full of people who continue to step out of God's rest and rule the kingdoms the way they want to rule it. You have a decision. You can either keep ruling your kingdom the way you want to be. No one's going to tell me. I'm the highest authority. I'm not going to worship anybody but me. My truth. My truth is God. That's my truth. And however I feel, that's it. And that's Or we can step into God's rest and trust God. That God's truth gives me peace. It's what biblical scholars call the already and not yet. The already and not yet. That we're already in the kingdom. That we are already in the seventh day rest. But we do not yet see it in its glory. It's, it's what's called the already but not yet. We're, we're, we're in the new creation right now. We're in its rest right now. But we do not yet see it in its full glory. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel that you have no time to rest? Do you have anxiety every time you turn on the news? Do you worry about your finances? Do you worry about your kids? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, Come to me, all you that are weary. Anybody weary here? All you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Jesus invites you into his rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. But this is where we kind of get this wrong. right? We, we, which is why many of us are still struggling on our own. We say, yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm carrying a burden right now. I'm laying it at his feet. Thank you, Jesus. And then as you leave, goes, oh, wait, oh, hang on. Just got to pick this up and go with him. I'm, I'm, thank you, Jesus. And we walk off. And, we care, and we're struggling on our own. And we're not meant to because we, we have to read the next verse, which is 29. Jesus, then he goes on. And he says he wasn't finished. Just in case we keep putting it down. He says, take my yoke upon you. And a yoke was, was, this, was made out of wood. And it's what binds two oxen together so they can pull tremendous amount of load. Together, we're better together. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Anybody's soul needs a rest right now. It means you're not meant to struggle on your own. It means Jesus says, team up with me. Anybody need Team Jesus right now? In your struggles, in your suffering, we're in this together. Here's the thing. The more you journey with Jesus, what does it say? You will learn from me. The, the more you journey with him, the more you learn, the stronger you get. You find, you'll find the more you walk with Jesus, no matter what trials come your way, the more you're with them, you're, 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 you're facing trials on your own, but the stronger you become. And those things that used to, to, to bother you don't bother you anymore. Because you're kind of reflecting God's, you're understanding, oh man, Jesus, I'm with Jesus, I'm the team Jesus. And you get stronger. The stronger you move, the more you move with them, the stronger you become. Jesus is saying, to get to your tomorrow, you have to move through today. You have to pick yourself up in your suffering and move forward. And the good news is, you are not alone. You're not alone. I was at Men's Connect Group on Wednesday and Matt was sharing, because he leads our Connect Group along with Elliot. And um, Matt, he was sharing, and, and he was sharing about 
how sometimes you ever feel like all of a sudden there's struggle before you and this struggle is like a mountain. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and you're struggling and you're, and you're climbing the struggle. It's a mountain of struggle. You're climbing, climbing, only to reach the top and there's another mountain. You might have been there before. And so Matt, he's sharing this and, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, come on, man. And then Matt begins to quote scripture. God will never give you trials that you cannot handle. And I kind of know the trials that they're in right now. And I love this because I'm going, wow, he's saying this. Stuff. I know what they're going through right now. And he's up there saying this. And the man ends, he says, this. this is what he says. He says, peace comes when you reach a point of peace with God. This is what he says. Peace comes when you reach a point of peace with God. And I was going, wow. I can't believe that came from Matt. He's just a surfing dude. Peace comes when you reach a point of peace with God. He's not saying that this peace, this peace means you're not going to struggle anymore. That's not what he's saying. But on the contrary, it means in your struggle, you have the ability to pick yourself up and move forward because the peace of God is with you. Which is why the Apostle Paul says that, that says that through his hardship and his, and his anxiety, that he can do it all because of who was with him. That in your peace, when you, when you, when you come to the end of yourself, and, and you're barely keeping your head above water. Do you ever feel like that? You've got a choice to keep doing this thing on my own or say, or just humble yourself and reach up and say, Lord, save me. Peace comes when you reach a point of peace with God. It means that if you struggle, you still have struggle, but there's a difference. Peace is with you. Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. And because of the resurrection, we have this hope in God of this, of this promised rest. See, it's time to step into the Sabbath rest and find rest for your soul. Peace comes when you reach a point of peace with God. Come on, let us pray.